You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. Find more great shows like this at wearelibertarians.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the We Are Libertarians debate series. We got a good one for you today. Formal debate. The proposal on the table. Justin Amash would make a great Libertarian Party presidential candidate. We have one in the in the pro, that is Brian Nichols. He is host of the Brian Nichols Show for the We Are Libertarians Network. And then we have one for that is against the motion. That would be Brian Ellison, uh, presidential candidate as well for the Libertarian Party. Uh, guys, thank you so much for doing this today. I ask all listeners to please be respectful to both points of view. If I didn't feel that either one had a point, then I wouldn't have had this debate at all. So please be open-minded. Listen to everybody. Uh, please feel free to comment. I will be maybe asking some questions during our debate session. Uh, but in the meantime, I've got each of the candidates with uh, 15 minutes worth of time to lay out their opening statements. Brian Ellison with the negative for saying Justin Mosh would not make a great Libertarian Party presidential c- candidate. Go ahead and take it away. All right. Hey, Hody, thanks for having me. Um, I, I mean, frankly, this is a pretty easy one for me. Um, we can just start with the basic statement and hopefully you guys can just take me at my, at my word. No, Justin Amash will not make a great presidential candidate for the Libertarian Party. Uh, anyway, so before I get too far in depth into why Amash is a losing prospect for the Libertarian Party nomination for president, let's just take a quick review of what the congressman has supported or opposed throughout his tenure. Now, he supported the Defense of Marriage Act, which was decidedly anti-LGBTQ. He supports the funding of a border wall and massive immigration control, which is decidedly xenophobic. He has not been supportive of ending the drug war, which is decidedly racist. Uh, He couldn't even come out in favor of legalizing marijuana until after the tides had already turned. This is a basic, basic libertarian position. He does not support dismantling the massive military industrial complex. Um, He believes that abortion should be prohibited by the government. Now, regardless of where you fall on the issue, pro-choice or pro-life, libertarians overwhelmingly agree that the government has no business interfering. Now, he just tries to justify his position by claiming that defunding women's health services is a libertarian position. Okay, well, newsflash, it's an obvious conservative position cloaked in the thin veil of libertarian camouflage. Now, we no doubt agree that government shouldn't be paying for healthcare services, but to specifically attack and defund medical services for women is not based on the principle of individual liberty. It's based on the principle of misogyny. So even this issue, issue, which frankly is the only one that I've even actually heard him discuss recently, he gets it wrong. Now, if it's true, if the quote's true that I've heard that you know, Justin Amash has done more to advance the concept of individual liberty than any anybody else in Congress, then I think we really need to understand what that means. Uh, even if it's true with this record, it's completely meaningless. Now, 
one thing that I've heard a lot of his supporters declare is how popular Justin is with the media. Um, Justin has potential for re to reach a wider audience than any other candidate. Now, while I don't agree with that, that he has the most potential to garnish media attention of all the declared candidates, let's just assume for argument's sake that he does. So it's obvious that his media attention was because the media loves to trash Trump. I mean, the fact that they had a Republican doing it was just good optics for the media. He was even valuable to them as a former Republican. And that is the only place where he continues to hold any value for the media is as a former Republican who opposed who's opposed to Trump. Now, the media attention will quickly dry up unless Amash continues to serve the needs of the never Trumpers. What this means is that any appearance that he gets, he'll be answering questions about why he's stealing votes from from Biden or why he's a better candidate than Biden or why he chose to run now. All these kind of things, rather than talking about libertarian principles. And that's that is absolutely failing. That just like he absolutely failed to do in his 10 minute interview last week on MSNBC. Now, now in that recent interview, Amash declares himself to be the better candidate because of his personal character rather than anything remotely having to do with his limited government principles. He's arguing that he's the right guy to turn things around. This is simply not a concept of libertarianism. Now, one of my competitors, Jacob Hornberger, articulated this really well in a recent video he published. It's pro probably better than I can do it today. But the concept is that Amash is trying to sell libertarianism, or, or Amash is not trying to sell libertarianism to the American people. He's simply trying to sell himself. When he inevitably loses, as any libertarian candidate for president will in 2020, I hate to spoil, I hate to be the spoiler, I mean, that's a fact, uh, the party has gained nothing because all that's been promoted is the guy who was reasonable or decent or however he chooses to describe himself in his next press interview. And none of the concept of individual liberty or personal responsibility have been promoted. Now, I've already seen memes by Amash supporters touting his qualifications uh, by his not being a sexual predator. I mean, while that's great, you know, this is the this is the level of engagement that we could expect to see throughout the eagerly anticipated Amash campaign. Amash is better because he's not Trump and he's not Biden. Now, any idea where we've heard this before? So anyway, because of his obvious <clears throat> reluctance to share libertarian principles with the national audience, Justin will continue to be a former Republican in everyone's eyes further driving the narrative that libertarians are Republican light or pot smoking Republicans or even extreme right wing, depending on who you talk to. Now, while those of us that have been in the Libertarian Party for any length of time understand that this is not the case, many outsiders don't see this. We've been stuck with this stigma and we can't afford to perpetuate it if we want the party to sustain any meaningful long term growth. Activists have been working over the last several years to develop the concept of bottom unity. The idea is to unite both sides of the bottom of the political compass together to build strength that actually opposes authoritarian government, or frankly, author author any authority. It's very anti-authoritarian in concept. Now, for whatever reason, many elements within the LP have decided that aligning with the right or, you know, uniting the right, uh, for lack of a better term, will somehow produce more liberty. And as a result, we now experience an increase in right authoritarians co-opting the term libertarian and driving away the anti-authoritarian left who are our true allies. 
Now, if we want to continue to see stagnant growth that fluctuates to include disaffected Republicans for six months every four years, we should nominate Amash. All right. Now, if we want to shed that stigma, we should nominate nearly any one of the other declared candidates that are actively campaigning. This concept is, is extremely important this election cycle. For whatever unexplained reason, the Trump supporters seem to be rock solid. The maniac can do no wrong in their eyes. If we attempt to target a conservative electorate, like we will if we nominate a conservative candidate, we will fail miserably. We need a candidate that will be able to reach that key group of anti-authoritarians on the left who know that Joe Biden does not represent them any better than the other 70-plus-year-old sexual predator. These people are our natural allies. They want social change. They want equity. They basically want something entirely different than what the government has come to represent. Now, many of these people latched on to Bernie because that's what they represented to them. That's what he represented to them. We can reach them by talking to them about the issues that matter and solving their problems with libertarian solutions that we are all familiar with. We can't do that if our national candidate is somebody who opposes women's rights or supports violent border enforcement or has a history of discriminating against the LGBTQ community or whose Twitter feed looks like it simply exists for the sake of owning the libs. Now, the obvious tone deafness of Amash to the anti-authoritarian left will do immeasurable harm to the Libertarian Party and negate much, if not all, of the work that many activists have been aggressively working to overcome for years. But frankly, the growth of the LP is certainly not something that Amash has, has been interested in in the slightest. As recently as April 13th, just two weeks before he announced his candidacy, Amash tweeted, Americans who believe in limited government deserve another option. Now, the obvious implication, based on the context of the tweet, was that there were only two options in the race for POTUS. On May 2nd, Justin tweets, It's an important step for our young party, and I'm honored to be part of it. Now, this was in context of changing his party affiliation to Libertarian with the U.S. House with the U.S. House's clerk, which, by the way, was a good thing and would have been better if he had done it months ago simply out of principle. When you consider these two tweets in full context, it seems that Justin is completely unaware that the LP has been around for 50 years and has consistently ran a candidate for president of the United States that represented limited government. Why is a third option irrelevant on April 13th, but all of a sudden the LP was a viable young party on May 2nd? Now, it's simple. He thinks the party is irrelevant unless it's about him. The point, this point is incredibly relevant because our presidential nominee will be the loudest and most effective resource for driving support to all of our down-ballot races. If our nominee is simply talking about how decent he is or, what he's, or that he's better because he's not Trump or Biden, then he is absolutely failing in one of his prime responsibilities as the nominee. When questioned by the Libertarian Republic, Justin admitted that despite the fact that he's been considering a presidential run, presumably either as a, a libertarian or as an independent, for nearly three months, he had not taken 15 minutes to read the party platform. He hadn't read the platform, and he admitted it openly. 15 minutes, very, very short platform. This is the same guy, mind you, 
who will complain on Twitter about not having time to read bills that get passed through the House, but won't take it upon himself to read the short platform for the party that he pretends he is capable of supporting. Now, we already know he's off platform on borders and abortion. You know, where else do his conservative views interfere with our vision of a world set free? Does he oppose massive military spending? Does he support sex workers' rights? We don't know. And maybe every other item will fall perfectly in line with what past delegates have found to be important. But the point is that he didn't care enough about the Libertarian Party to read our eight-page platform. This guy is not interested in building the LP. When he talks about building a party and building a third party and building a competitive party and making a major party, he's not talking about building the Libertarian Party as you and I know it. He's talking about building an Amash cult. Now, all things being equal, I have no doubt that Amash would be much more comfortable running as an independent. But we know that all things are not equal. We know that in order to achieve the kind of ballot access that the LP has earned over the lifetime of the party, he'd have to spend multiple millions of dollars all over the country just to get on the ballot. If it's not obvious to you at this point that Amash is a ballot access opportunist, you're either in denial or simply not paying attention. Now, why was Amash unwilling to change his party affiliation when he left the Republicans in July? Why was he not willing to make his run for Congress as a libertarian? If he was unwilling to use the label libertarian in a congressional race, why should we give him the biggest platform that the LP has to offer? Now, David Nolan wrote uh, an open letter to the LNC in 2009, and I think it's, it's, it's as important now as it was then. And he says in part, as I see it, the Libertarian Party has gone far astray from its original mission. Somewhere along the way, our commitment to being the party of principle was replaced by shallow, opportunistic goal of winning elections now. Any election, anywhere. Principles be damned according to the proponents of this vision. We should back off from scary positions, tone down our rhetoric, find out what voters want, and tailor our message to what they want to hear. Now, the LP is at that same point today. We have at least half a dozen candidates with more libertarian principles who are better messengers for the Libertarian Party vying for the nomination. We have people with real libertarian credentials, not status credentials. But the comparison today to Nolan's words from over a decade, decade ago is almost unfair. We're not on the verge of sacrificing principles for winning elections. We're on the verge of sacrificing principles for a sort of hero worship for people with political fetishes. The reality is that Amash has no appeal to prospective Trump voters and will not attract any support from the never-Trumpers. So where is his base? He'll likely finish far worse than Gary Johnson, who had significantly more relevant experience and was unarguably more libertarian. There's simply not a winning proposal for Amash running for the LP nomination. Nolan goes on. My fellow libertarians, our party is at a crossroads. Either we stand up boldly for liberty or we lose all relevance. The voters who want real, meaningful, substantive change will direct their energies elsewhere, while opportunists who seek short-term electoral victories will support the Republican and Democratic politicians who offer a far better chance of winning now. So here we are. We have an opportunity this cycle to nominate a candidate who has changed his middle name to taxation and theft and built a successful internationally recognized brand in support of liberty. 
we have an opportunity to nominate an articulate libertarian messenger who has spent his career working in libertarian educate, education arena for over 30 years. We have an opportunity to nominate a candidate with a long history of political activism and civil disobedience who advocates for the complete dissolution of the federal government. And along with the opportunity to run one of several other articulate and principled messengers, including a doctor, a judge, a successful entrepreneur, we have an opportunity to run a candidate who can attract massive media attention by mocking the political system, by wearing a boot on his head and offering everybody a free poem. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Now, will we as a party seize one of these unique opportunities to put libertarian principles in front of the American people? Or will we resign ourselves to make the same lame decision to nominate a government insider who looks and sounds no different than any other duopoly candidate. The purpose of the LP is to promote libertarianism. If we're promoting someone that diverges from our principles and who tells people that libertarianism is something that it isn't, how is that in any way positive for us? Thank you so much, Brian Ellison. Now for Brian Nichols, and he will debate why Justin Amash would make a great libertarian presidential candidate. Brian Nichols, take it away. Right. Yes. Yeah. So the um, the argument, yeah, is 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 would Amash be a great Libertarian Party candidate? And I think that first starts the question: Well, what does it mean to be a great Libertarian Party candidate? And I think it's it's that of actually accomplishing Libertarian ideas in in number one, the marketplace of ideas, uh, but changing hearts and minds. And yes, number two, uh, actually accomplishing some electoral success. So how are we accomplishing electoral success? Well, most recently, uh, we had a candidate in Governor Gary Johnson, who was a two-term Republican governor, um, who ran with a two-term, also a Republican governor in Bill Weld, and they obtained 4.489 million votes. And that had never been uh, accomplished before in Libertarian Party history. So I think it's important, number one, to acknowledge what has happened in the past in terms of electoral history um, from us nominating somebody who would be considered the, um, the establishment, if you will, um, or the, the, the non-Puritan libertarians. Now, um, going to, I guess, it, and, and I really, again, I appreciate Brian coming on the show because um, to really discuss this because, I mean, he mentioned all these great libertarian uh, candidates that are out there. And he's right. They are great libertarian candidates. And I actually have had the chance to interview um, most, if not all the candidates that he um, he actually mentioned. Um, you know, I, I mentioned uh, or he mentioned Jacob Hornberger, who's been on the show um, and, yes, has been a very strong advocate for liberty, um, being a, more in the education. I mean, I actually just talked to uh, Dan Taxationist, Steph Berman today um, to record a show that will be airing here in the near future. I'm discussing his vision uh, to be the Libertarian Party candidate. And um, going back to the main point of this debate is would Amash be a, a great Libertarian Party candidate? I say yes, because the goal of the Libertarian Party, again, is to, with the electoral success, uh, be able to share the message of liberty and win people over. And I think when you look at somebody like uh, 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 Justin Amash, especially when you take into consideration all the uh, the Libertarian bona fides that he had going up into his 2010 election, right? I mean, so here, well, let's read a little quick something that Ron Paul, who I would say Ron Paul dare brought most of, of the Libertarian movement that we have right now in, in 2020, brought most of us here. Um, and yes, it did come from the right. Ron Paul on Justin Amash. I am proud to endorse Justin Amash for U.S. Congress 
Justin is one of the most principled young leaders I've ever seen in a generation. He will do the work to fight the lower taxes and spending for more freedom in Washington. We need more people like Justin voting with me in Congress. Justin understands our Constitution and will fight against our out-of-control government to restore liberty. Justin has the courage to stand up against the bailouts, government takeovers being forced on our throats by Washington insiders. In addition to his impeccable voting record and tremendous personal integrity, I've been thoroughly impressed by Justin's commitment to transparency. He draws back the shroud of secrecy that big government uses to confuse our fellow citizens and shows his constituents plainly and clearly what our tax dollars are paying for. The American people need more than just another vote. We need a man of principle who will always stand up for what is right. We need a citizen politician who a citizen politician who represent U.S. Uh, Justin Amash is that kind of individual. So, I mean, I know we're not supposed to take Ron Paul's you know word as as gospel, though some of us will take Ron Paul's word as gospel out there. But with that being said, in 2010, now look at what Justin has accomplished in Congress. Now I'm not here to argue in favor of Justin Amash as the candidate. I'm saying, would he be good for the LP? And I say, well, yes, because when you look at his libertarian record in Congress, um, has he been a hundred percent a pure libertarian? Well, no, because he wasn't a hundred percent libertarian. He was a Republican um, with with libertarian leanings, right? Which I would dare say, you know, when we looked at somebody like a Ron Paul, that's also what Ron Paul was was a a Republican, a Republican elected official who was a libertarian in their private life. I mean, much like what Justin Amash is as well. And voting against um, the FISA expansions that you know President Trump has voted for, um, going and voting against these endless wars, um, bringing up you know topics like civil assets forfeiture as a, a libertarian presidential candidate is huge. And yes, um, you know, he, I, I know that uh, Brian Ellison did mention that there are a lot of quote-unquote non-libertarian things that Amash has supported. But again, going back to what's the point of the Libertarian Party? It's to, to win people over in the electorate to actually accomplish some some type of electoral success. And I think it's important to understand that everybody out there right now is not a libertarian. Um, and I, I hate to kind of go back to a, an aspect of my show, but what is the, the main point of my show is to, to help speak to people from where they're coming from. And, and to go in guns a-blazing with a libertarian ideology is one way to approach it. Um, but I would dare say we haven't had much success in that that approach in the past. So what we have found success, electorally speaking, has been that of looking at people in the past who were uh, credible, and I say credible from an electoral stance, um, credible individuals who have served in elected office, and in this case, two-term Republican governors, who were not as libertarian as people would like them to be, but obtained the most ballot act or the most um, votes that any libertarian presidential candidate has ever accomplished, obtained ballot access across the United States, um, which you can argue that's what Justin's looking for, but that's what any libertarian's gonna be looking for. Um, we need to have that ballot access, and that was accomplished because of the fact that we had, let's say, maybe not the purest libertarians leading the party, because their goal isn't to win people over on that ballot to become pure libertarians instantaneously. It's to spark the interest and to make other people out there say, okay, what does it mean to be a libertarian? And then it's on our job, the people within the movement, to be the, the teachers, to be the educators. It's, and I think we, we as libertarians kind of have to, to take a step back for a moment and recognize that there is a difference in the electoral arm of the libertarian movement and the, the fostering of education. And if we're wanting the libertarian party to be that of just fostering education – then I think we need to acknowledge that the electoral goals of the Libertarian Party will not be accomplished anytime in the near future. Yes, we need to be bold. Yes, we need to be able to, to have a vision for the Libertarian Party as a Libertarian Party. And I would dare say that Justin Amash right now has the chance to be one of those candidates leading as a face of the Libertarian Party that would reach people beyond the confines that the traditional Libertarian candidate would. Uh, and this is no disrespect to the candidates that are running, but the reality is none of the candidates have the, the – what. 
the voters are looking for right now. Because at the, the end of the day, that's the people we have to reach. And they're going to be looking to see, you know, what's what's the um, you know, on the resume for candidate X? You know, what, what have they accomplished? And, and the sad reality is the you know, being a teacher, it probably is not going to be as much of a, a you know, something on the resume that they're going to be looking towards as somebody who is a five term U.S. congressman. So I think it's important for us to acknowledge what opportunity Justin brings, not only to the party, but to the, the movement in general by by spreading out the message beyond what we're able to do with a much larger microphone and at least bring people to the movement and then giving us the opportunity to be those teachers, to be those educators and to create lifelong libertarians who down the road will, yes, be, be the, the people who are running for office within the movement. And I hope that we can find an opportunity for these, these, uh, these individuals within the movement who are looking to get involved electorally to get involved in some of those more easier to win electoral positions in their local elections. I think that's going to be a much more, um, a much more thoughtful approach to trying to actually get some libertarians in office and build up our movement. And then have those individuals down the line have that resume that they have established as something credible to bring forward that the voters will then look at and then consider versus just having a random person that they've never heard of on a ballot. That's you know the, the third person to the line. So with that being said, that that's mostly what I really had to um, to bring to the table. Um, it, and again, I'm not arguing to to say that Justin is the perfect candidate. I'm, my art, and I'm not saying that he is. And I think every candidate has their strengths and weaknesses. But I do think Justin would be a great candidate for the Libertarian Party when considering what the, the goal of the Libertarian Party is, and that is to, to, number one, advance the message of liberty, but to have some electoral success. So with that, I'll yield my time. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Brian Nichols. So now we're going to begin just the open debate stage uh, between the two of you here. I'm going to start you off with a question or, or a, an observation from the audience here. Uh, since he owns the network, I feel obligated to put this on here. So Brian, you can respond to this one. Oh, uh, <laughs> the idea that Justin Mosh isn't principled is laughable. That may have worked with Bob Barr, but this tideline of attack doesn't work with a Mosh. So why does it work to, to why would you see that he's unprincipled? Uh, I'm assuming why? that's a Brian Ellison, right? Ellison. Yeah. yeah. You oh, said okay. Brian. You know, Brian. Like, I'm Brian. Like, jump ball, Brian. Okay. Uh, <laughs> jump ball. I think that, I mean, I think that s s some of the policy positions that I brought up are, are speak for themselves. I mean, on, when it comes to DOMA, this is, this is what he had to say about DOMA, which is the defense of marriage act. My family and I are committed Christians. My Christian faith is an important part of who I am. It informs my values and principles. Our most important unit of government is the family. When larger units of government attempt to supplant the family, we must say no. I believe in the sanctity of traditional marriage, and I oppose government efforts to redefine this private religious institution. I strongly support the Federal Defense of Marriage Act. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the Defense of Marriage Act, but it, it, is, it defined marriage as being that between a man and a woman. This is decidedly, it's anti-LGBTQ. Anti There's no question about this. This is that is not a libertarian position. And he did that 10 years ago. This is not something that he did back in the 70s. And we can forgive him. He did this when he was a self-proclaimed proclaimed libertarian. Well, then it's it's cool that his he, he's like he's like, but wait a second. I've got an excuse about it because, um, you know, before I went into Congress, th this is what he says. Before I went into Congress, I had assumed that DOMA simply prevented one state from forcing its own government definition of marriage onto another. Blah, 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 blah. He, he says. Uh, this is one of my biggest regrets that I did not research it adequately. Okay. Now, w when it, this is, again, this is the guy that says on Twitter, oh, they don't give us time to read these thousands of page bill. Domo was 250 words, bro. 
250 words. Now, is that did did he really not support? Did he really support Domo because he didn't know what it was, and it was an accident? No. I mean, this is obvious conservative talking points. He's trying to force his religion on other people. How is that in any way libertarian? And again, we talk about abortion. He's got an extreme position on abortion. We can talk pro-life, pro-choice all day long. But when it comes to the reality, the guy wants to push his opinion on others. When he's asked on Reason, right? Reason asked him, I think it was Nick Gillespie's interviewing him. And he says, uh, he asked him, what, um, you know, what do you think is fair as far as, infor- you know, the guy wants a ban. Like, let's be clear. He wants an abortion ban. He wants the government to intervene. And he says that the, the, the ban should be somewhere between conception and three days. Between conception and three days, he thinks that abortion should be prohibited, banned. Government should, should come in and stop people. No plan B. P- plan B is, is uh, it, you know, that's, that's bad as far as he's concerned. And this is not just like, in my personal opinion, I think that's bad. This is him saying, I think the government should step in and stop this. It simply is not libertarian, and you can't even make an argument that it is. Brian Nichols? Respond however you want. I mean, I, I think it's it's easy to to nitpick, right? And we see that happen quite a bit in politics, especially when it comes to when we look at you know libertarian elected officials who are registered um, Republicans. And it's I think it's easy to um, to look at those votes and to say you know well look at they're they're completely abandoning the principles. But then it's also important to remember what's what's happening, right? And and this is not an argument in favor of the system that we have in place. It's an argument starting from the understanding that this is the system that we currently have in place, right? And with that, we have to understand that it is a a sad reality in Washington and that you do have to play politics. And that involves when you're running for office to win your constituency over. It involves when you're in office making deals with people in order to actually progressively move your agenda forward. And and if if we want to move liberty forward, we have to pick battles. Now, I'm not going to try and and explain away Justin Amash's decision on DOMA. I'm not going to try to explain away Justin Amash's decision on, you know, abortion rights because – I mean, really, that's not that's not my role to play. Right. My role to play is is to say, is Amash a great Libertarian Party candidate? And again, I keep on going back to, well, what does it mean to be a good Libertarian Party candidate? And I, I would dare say it is to represent Libertarian values, number one, but number two, to also be able to have some electoral success. Now, are we going to set the threshold, right? And I think this is a question that we've been asking for since the inception of the party. And I'm sure Brian is, is going to you know agree with me here in that, is that what does it mean to be a real Libertarian? And I don't think we're going to have a real answer to that question. And I think it's up for up to the, the, the delegates, number one, to decide who do you want to be the face of your party in order to accomplish those those real main goals of the Libertarian candidate. And that is, again, to have that electoral success while being a libertarian and you do have to play some some game theory you do have to make some some sacrifices in terms of are you going to sacrifice a little bit of principles in order to get much more success in your in terms of electoral success and i think that's a game that libertarians have been have been playing over the past you know how many election cycles with with former republican candidates and i mean the numbers speak for themselves as you've seen more and more uh, uh, votes go towards the third party candidates so that being said i mean Mr. Ellison did speak to Gary Johnson in a positive light. And it's funny because you, you hear from more of the, the we'll say right leaning libertarians, Gary Johnson is, is the worst candidate that we've ever had. And I just think it's funny to hear, you know, you, you float him as a, as a positive candidate being more libertarian 
when I've heard the exact opposite, right? So I would look at somebody like a Justin Amash and say, I would actually feel more comfortable with him leading the the, the face of the party because I mean, come on, we, we listen, you can listen to pretty much any podcast that, that Amash has been on. He, he like drops a Hayek line, like every other word. So like, I think it's important to, to acknowledge that he does have the, the education in, in libertarianism. He, he knows the, the, the philosophy, he knows the principles. Does he have to know, you know, the, the, the party platform verbatim? I don't think it's necessarily, you know, important when you look at the Republican parties and democratic parties, which I don't argue that they should be our role models. But again, to acknowledge the system that we are currently in, they have been able to coalesce a, a vast group of different perspectives. And with that, they've been able to have electoral success. Right now, we are we are not in any position to be pushing people out of our movement if we want to have any type of electoral success. Again, and I think, and I'm not trying to to you know, claim what Mr. Ellison's position is. So I'll ask you, Brian, you know, what is to you a, a, a I guess, a metric that you would look to to say, this has been a successful election. Is it? Is it more people signing up to be libertarians in the Libertarian Party? Is it you know the actual the number next to the candidate in terms of the number of votes they get? Because I think that if we're able to kind of set what parameters would be effective metrics to look back to, I think maybe then we could at least come closer to finding some common ground, which I know in a debate is never fun to do, but for my show, that's what I like to do. So let's kind of maybe go that route. Is there something that you have in mind that we could look to? Well, sure. So let's let's start with uh, kind of a, I guess, if we let's say let's work backwards from the assumption that electoral success is the goal. I don't agree, but let's 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 say okay, electoral success is the goal. By that measure, let's go get Bernie. Bernie can get way more votes than Justin Amash, right? We can have way more electoral success if we if we get Bernie. Hell, let's get Hillary Clinton. I mean, either one of them would get way more votes than. Than would Justin Amash. So if if our goal is electoral su- success, principles be damned. Why are we even talking about well, Amash? Really quick, it- I, yeah, I'm gonna make sure we're the same terms, right? Because so really quick, I'm saying elect it would be electoral success number one, but number two is also being a libertarian. So I, I think advancing the message of liberty. So just to make sure, because I don't I don't want to like accidentally have people assume that I would actually support Hillary Clinton being our nominee just to get electoral success. That's not the case at all. But I'm saying it would it would be both those encompassing. Does that make sense? It it does. And so I get, but I guess this is where I'm saying when we, you mentioned it earlier, like electoral success is not the goal of the LP. Okay. And I don't know if that needs, how many times that needs to be repeated. We are a small party. We're a fringe party. We were intended to be a fringe party. We were intended to be a group of outsiders that push policy that can help change these status paradigms and use the political party as a platform to do that. If we simply want electoral success, again, I say, why are we wasting our time with a half measure like Amash? If we just want to get somebody with an L next to their name to get elected, let's go all out. Let's get somebody who's a complete, absolute status that the people will love. Okay, let's let's bring Bernie in. Let's run Bernie. He can get elected. Okay, the now the, working backwards from that, I'm saying. So you're saying that Amash will bring us electoral success, but at the sacrifice of some principle. And, you know, this this doesn't even get to the core of my argument because this isn't about a purity test. But the the idea that that somehow we are going to have this massive electoral success on the national level is just ridiculous. It's just it's a pipe dream. And that's the that's the pipe dream that Amash is trying to sell right now to keep himself relevant. And so 
you know, in my opinion, electoral success really needs to take a backseat to principle. It, t- it needs to take a backseat to principle. If we get votes, great. But how do we measure our success? It's not something that you can measure with statistics immediately after the vote. If we get 10 million votes, but we only increase membership by a thousand members, like we've failed, right? If we increase membership by 10,000 people, but we only have, you know, one new person showing up at our local affiliate meetings, we failed. So how do we measure success? It's by having more active boots on the ground, by having more people interested in liberty, by having more people being advocates and spreading the message. That's how we do it. And I don't think we do that by running a conservative. And and that's exactly what Amash is. Make no mistake. He cannot even uphold the narrative that that Repu- or that libertarians are, you know, fiscally conservative and socially liberal because he's not socially liberal. I mean, he's 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 fiscally conservative. He's socially conservative. He is blatantly conservative. He he's able to cloak that just like Ron Paul was. This is this is the paleo strategy. They they cloak their conservative beliefs in this thin veil of libertarianism. And I and I just I I it's a shame that more people don't see that. Ron Paul did a lot for the movement. He brought a lot of people because he had some good talking points. And then we start to find out who Ron Paul really is, and it's like, whoa, hey, maybe he's not really the the greatest uh, role model that we should have, but. This that strategy, we've gotten what we can get out. We've milked the Ron Paul paleo movement for all we can get. Amash is not the second coming of that. He's absolutely a losing proposition. Okay, uh, let's see here. So let me get uh, let me get another question here that I want to talk about. Um, so this one is directed at Brian Ellison, but I actually want to start it off with Brian Nichols because I think it's trying to reinforce your point, Mr. Nichols. What percentage of the platform is someone allowed to disagree with and still be considered a libertarian? Zero. Right? Absolutely yeah. not. You cannot have any disagreement. You must agree 100% because one thing a libertarian is like, it's authority. <laughs> I'm, okay. I'm kidding, obviously. No, but but I mean, and it's it's hitting on a larger point, right? And I And I found this you know, myself being someone who did, yes, come from the right to the Libertarian Party. And, and I, I am, you know, a card carry member. Where is it? It's right here, right? Come here. Ah! I'm dropping things on my face. Like right here, Libertarian Party. I'm there. I'm in the party. I get it. Like I'm trying to make the party what we can possibly make it. And I think the best way to do that is to share the, the stories of the value of liberty. And I think, there you go, Toady, look at you. Um, and I think- trying to embarrass me? I gotta, I gotta go grab my wallet or something? No, it's okay. <laughs> we know you have it, Brian. You're running You're running for president. And of course you have it. Um, so, so, but I mean, I think to, to my point though, is yeah, it, it is tough because I think we forget who we're trying to talk to, right? And, and it's actually really funny because it's, you know, Brian, you were just talking about uh, Dan Taxation and Steph Berman. So here's a little sneak peek for an episode I'm gonna be airing next week. And that is, When I was talking to him, he was saying, you know, one of the problems that we have as libertarians is that we think that we can reach to this 40 percent of voters who are just apathetic. The reality is, is that we're we we need to reach to the people who are actually politically active. And the reality of the situation currently is the people who are politically active predominantly are going to be Republicans or Democrats, because when you look at the human psyche, people want to vote for winners. It's just, it's just, it's fundamental human psychology. You want to to feel like you've accomplished something with somebody that you have cast a vote for, then winning, and now you being able to have kind of like this this pseudo 
power structure in mind, right? And that's a fundamental flaw with what our government system. But based on the system we have in place, if we ever want to have any electoral success in trying to change the laws, which, I mean, and I guess it really does come into a fundamental dif- disagreement that Brian and I have in terms of the, the goal of the Libertarian Party. And that's fine. Like, you know, we can have our dis- dis- uh, disagreements with the opinion of there. But like, if, I, if I'm looking at it in my mindset that I want to see the Libertarian Party both have the, the ability to change people's hearts and minds and serve as that education tool, but also have the ability to have some electoral success. I do think, you know, it's important for us to, to, you know, put people who are going to be at the very least familiar faces or people that people can trust when they cast their vote. Right. And, and it's, it's one thing for the libertarians to say, I feel a hundred percent confident in my candidate being the hundred percent pure libertarian. Your average voter doesn't care. And if we want to at least bring them to the movement to have that conversation with them, to show them what it means to be a libertarian and get them on that meter from zero to 100 percent being pure libertarian, we have to at least get them interested. If we're going in guns a blazing full libertarianism 101, they're going to shut off because at the end of the day, and I'm sorry, nobody really cares about having a conversation about ending the Fed when you just go and talk to your average person. They don't. And honestly, half the people don't even know what the Fed is. You can tell them that the Fed, the Fed does something with, I don't know. Think of something funny, Hody. You're the host, but like it, 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 it's some. It, they don't have no idea what the Federal Reserve actually is. So it, I, I don't know. I think I think we need to figure out you know who we're actually talking to and make sure you're talking to that people. I mean that that kind of goes down to what sales is, right? You're talking to your right audience and you're showing the value to them. Right now, we're talking to people with our libertarian ideas that we have that we we know a hundred percent, and we're talking to them on you know a uh, uh, you know master's level course, if you will. And they're, they, they, they need, you know, training wheels to start the conversation. And if you want that person to be, you know, our face of our party at that level, that master course, that's one way to take it. I just don't think you're going to pull people over to the movement and have them stick as long as you think they will. You might have some like fewer people that will stick longer, stay long, probably. Yeah, that'll probably happen. But then, I mean, I guess then we're just feeling right about being right in a smaller group of people. I just don't see that as successful. And then Brian Ellison, that question was actually directed at you again. What, uh, what percentage of the platform are you allowed to, to disagree with and still be a libertarian? So I've actually done this calculation, right? So, no, Oh no, look, look, the, the reality <laughs> okay. is, is like, <laughs> I was going to say, there, Lord help us. No, this is not, <laughs> This is not again. This is not about a purity test. This is not me saying Justin Amash is not is not a libertarian. I mean, if the guy wants to call himself a libertarian, he can call himself a libertarian. But I can tell you, based on the pattern of the things that he's said and done, that he's a conservative, right? Like this is how how do you how do you uh, gauge whether somebody's a libertarian or conservative? It's based on a pattern of behavior and beliefs, and he he has definitely represented beliefs that are clearly in the conservative sphere and outside of the libertarian sphere. Does he have beliefs that are libertarian? Sure. Is, is supporting a UBI one of those beliefs that falls within the libertarian sphere? No, but you know what? Frankly, that's the only socially uh, liberal belief he has. So maybe we should embrace it. You know? So it's like, I think that if this is not about, again, about me trying to force a purity test on Justin Amash, this is about me saying that he does not represent the, the basic core principles of libertarianism and certainly not the ones that are most important this election cycle, you know, and, and you keep saying, uh, Brian, uh, you know, you, this is about electoral success. If this, if, our, if this party is about electoral success, if Justin Amash wants electoral success, you know where he stands the best chance of getting electoral success. He can run for house. 
He can run for his house seat as a libertarian. That's if, if this party is about electoral success and he thinks he can win that race, which he said he thinks he can win that race is he, if he runs as an independent, well, good run as a libertarian, show us how the libertarian party can have, can have electoral success. Frankly, he can't win that race. He knows he can't win that race. And so that's why he's in this race. I mean, and straight if, ticket voting though, right? Well, there is straight ticket voting. Absolutely. So, but, but the, the point is, is that he's going to be a liberty. He's going to be the libertarian on the line. And that libertarian comes with a stigma. And if there's a Republican on the line and a Democrat on the line and the libertarian on the line in that district, the best that a libertarian has done is like almost 4%, which is remarkable. Like that's like two or three times what, what anybody else has done in that, in that uh, district. But the reality is, is you're going to end up splitting the conservative vote and maybe a Democrat wins. Who knows? But I don't think he really stands a chance of winning, which is why he's running this race. And if he does stand a chance of winning, wouldn't we all be much better served to have a libertarian, a libertarian, whether he's a little bit libertarian or a lot libertarian, having a libertarian in Congress rather than having somebody do a failed vanity run for president? I mean, thank goodness we have one right now, though, right? I mean, we have one until he doesn't get the nomination. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Right? I should be a smart ass. <laughs> oh, it's a debate. It's supposed to be. I'm trying to think of something funny that the Fed does, and it's all not funny. It's sad because I've written a lot. I know. I, I, you I, really put me on the spot there. I'm like, I don't know. Giving money in the form of a loan and then asking for it back seems pretty comical <laughs> if you're a sadist. Uh, <laughs> Brian, I did want to ask you something. Um, uh, Brian Nichols. Sorry. I'm going to say Brian every time. It's oh, terrible. Uh, so something that, that I see is cause I get hopeful when he does those quotes about Hayek and, and, uh, you know, Friedman and you, uh, you kind of get excited cause you say, Oh, you know, that's, that's in there. Sometimes mm-hmm. what makes you believe, and this, this question will then go back to <laughs> Brian Ellison. What makes you believe that his DNA is more libertarian that had to be stifled? You know, I think that's kind of what your stance is kind of, he had to be a Republican for a little bit, you know, like, like the Ron Paul thing. He was actually a libertarian that was stifled by his Republican party, as opposed to a Republican that was, you know, trying to dabble in libertarianism. So I talked to him. Also, and, that, and I've, I've, I mean, I've had a conversation with episode 72 of the Brian Nichols show is a, is a one-on-one conversation with myself and Justin back in June of 2019. And this is, you know, this is when this, this whole conversation started. Justin actually, um, he became the first person in Congress to consider the articles of impeachment against Trump as a sitting member of the GOP. Um, and I had him on my show immediately thereafterwards. And, you know, just, just having the conversation and, and, and really, so if you listen to my show, one of the things I like to do is I like to have a, a, a moment on my show for my guests to kind of tell their, their story of how they, they got to, to Liberty. And I, and I asked that of Justin, so to, to kind of hear him tell his story and you, you, you hear of when, when you heard enough of these, these libertarian stories, you, you kind of hear like this reoccurring theme. There was this one moment and, and also I forget what Justin's moment was, but there's usually this like moment where you see that person has really adopted a libertarian lifestyle, be it big L little L, you know, whether it's just a movement being involved in the Liberty movement. And I think we, again, going back to this idea of, of success, right. Is, is what does it mean to be a successful libertarian or a successful member of the liberty movement? And somebody like Justin, I would say he is an ally, right? And he's a successful ally to liberty movement. And why do I think he's he's you know actually an ally? Because he's shown me nothing to the extent that I would ever feel there's a big red flag. I mean, look at look at somebody like Thomas Massey. I know I'm, I'm sure Brian isn't a big fan of Thomas Massey, but I would say Thomas Massey is the closest thing we have to a member, a member of the Liberty Alliance, if we will, in Congress right now, it, besides Justin Amash. 
but like he was still willing to take the the start the, the hard principled stances when it came down to it from a libertarian perspective. Um, so I, I trust people like a Justin Amash and a Thomas Massey because when times get tough, they have shown time and again that they're willing to take those tough independent stances in a, in an area where when you don't do that, especially in Washington D.C., you're you're going to pay the price, be it be it political or otherwise. Um, I mean, we saw somebody like like Thomas Massey see all all fundraising completely ignored for his his races, and, and like you know people are going out of their way to not only uh, ignore his, his fundraising, but like to support his opponents. And like, you, you see that in electoral politics from these two big parties. And I just, I think that speaks to what it means to be uh, somebody in those movements uh, or in those parties rather as a part of our movement. You know, it is, is not a fun life. I mean, you, you guys, I, I think I say you guys in general, like people out there who think that like, it's a good life being the the squeaky wheel in Congress. Like, no, it's not like they, 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 they are completely ignored. You were shunned in the halls. You were not given committee assignments like they're, they're, you were not allowed to really do your job effectively. And that's because of the, the, the way that this has been into institutionalized. So, um, I mean, I hope hope that answered your question there, Hody. But at the end of the day, I mean, really, it's because I've talked to him because I've, I've had the chance to to get to see, you know, see his his past 10 years in Congress. I feel comfortable. Um, knowing that, but also hearing where he was, you know, from uh, you know a certain age, and and listening to him tell that story, I, I feel that he he's shown his true colors, and and also he's been an advocate and a friend of liberty, and I I think we'd be foolish to uh, to, to cast aside somebody who who is a friend of liberty like that. Sure. And so uh, Brian Ellison, then kind of the same question, but reverse to you: What makes you believe that he's a conservative that's only flirting with libertarianism, as opposed to a libertarian that's flirting with conservatism? Well, you know, I guess, again, we can just kind of look at his, his record and it, let's say we give him the benefit of the doubt and say, you know what, he was entirely just stifled because he was a member of the Republican Party and he felt obligated to vote as conservative. And OK, cool. Like, come over here and join the Libertarian Party in good faith. All right. Participate, campaign as a Libertarian, win your House seat or don't win your House seat, but try support other candidates, you know, be a member of the party. The reality is, is that he's not he 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 is barely a member of the party at this point. If you look at his campaign literature, doesn't say libertarian anywhere. Look at his website, doesn't say libertarian anywhere. This I'm not saying that he's not an ally in liberty. Of course he is. Most of the time, I think that there's there's some issues that he does not that that where he doesn't fall in line with the libertarian party. But a lot of times he is an ally. You know, you could say the same thing about uh, AOC. There's there's a lot of things that she's an ally of liberty about, too. And, and in much different ways than most people are willing to look at. And I can tell by Brian Nichols face that he doesn't see it. But the, <laughs> no, no, you, no, you have a good point. There, the, there is a there is a social aspect to being a libertarian. Yes. And, and this is where this is where uh, Justin Amash falls entirely short. And that's the biggest complaint. Look, if we were if we had. If this race was a different story, if we had a group of disaffected Republicans that are looking for somebody else to vote, I'm, I would probably look at this in an entirely different way and say, you know what, maybe this guy is our best chance. Maybe this guy is our best chance to bring people in. I mean, would I be happy about bringing a bunch more conservatives in the party? No, because I think they're a cancer. But I, if that was where our, our, our most potential was for gaining traction in the liberty movement, then I'd probably look at it a different way. Can I ask a question about that really quick, Brian? Sure. So- you, you don't want to bring people from the conservative movement because they're a cancer. And I just want to, I, I want to just quickly address that. I don't know how that's productive. And I say that because I don't know 
how we as a movement are going to, to really go anywhere unless we're willing to bring people into our movement who aren't libertarians yet and are willing to learn. Now, if you're, you know, so for example, right, I started out into this whole path of liberty from, you know, rah, rah, GOP back in, you know, back in the day. And I, I found my way. Right. And, and I think partly was because I did stumble upon somebody like a Ron Paul, like a, a Rand Paul. And I did get into, you know, I then Rand Paul and Ron Paul turned to starting to watch, you know, Mises and, and reading Hayek and you go down the, the pathway. Right. I know Mises. I saw the eyes. I saw that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But to, to actually go down the rabbit hole, right? And, and then we can go and have our, our you know, little libertarian, which who's more libertarian conversations. But I think it's important to acknowledge that we need people coming from both the left and the right. And I think to to say otherwise is just going to isolate the party to really, it, it's going to end up being, a, 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 a pardon my expression here, it's going to be a circle jerk of, of libertarians who, who really are super libertarians. And I don't know if that's, I mean, if that's what our goal is, is, is to make us the most libertarian libertarians that we can possibly libertarian, then that's one goal to approach it. But I don't know, I don't know how, that's at all productive for us, how it's productive to get more people interested in the movement and ultimately how it's, it's going to help us live more free, which, I mean, when I signed up for this, that's the goal is to get us to actually live more free. And I don't see that happening if we just are talking to ourselves. And I'm already the super libertarian everybody's talking about. So I don't understand. Well, we obviously I've, I've heard that actually. <laughs> yeah. That's so. why he's wearing the button up. It keeps the, the big S underneath his shirt. Right. And, yeah. The L that I got tattooed on there. Um, right. So let's go ahead and get into the closing statements, guys. Brian Ellison, five minutes. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to use some of this time to kind of address some of the points that Brian just okay. made. So like when we look at uh, the idea of bringing in more conservatives, and, and I think that really that's the that's what we're up against is I don't have a problem with bringing in conservatives who want to become libertarians. But here's here's a something from one of uh, Amash's supporters. And there's there's a, a ton of these in his Twitter feed. But this guy, this this person writes, what could be done to re, rebrand the LP as a serious party rather than the party of smoking of dope smoking sex fiends? I'm serious. Many of my conservative friends have exactly that perception. Given the LP is cool with legalized weed and gay marriage. We are cool with legalized weed and gay marriage. Like that's who we are. Like if we're going to be attracting these, these people that, that think they, they can come into the libertarian party and change it. And that's, that's exactly what Amash has, has inferred to in his libertarian. I think it was in the libertarian Republic article he wrote, uh, or he said something like, um, you know, I, I haven't read the platform, but I'm sure we can make it work like he's going to somehow change it or like we're going to rally behind Justin and be like, OK, yeah, let's ban abortion now. Oh, yeah, let's build a wall. Oh, you know, no. Like if you if if we bring people in the into the movement, into the party that agree with us for the most part. And again, this is not about a purity test. Then I, I think they can be shaped. Right. And even if they can't be shaped and they have a couple uh, issues that they they don't agree with the platform for whatever reason, you know. Okay, I have a hard time disagreeing with anything on the platform at this point, so I have a hard time understanding it because I think it's all very fundamental. But if they do, cool. The problem is when we're bringing in these conservatives, we're bringing in people that that have these type of beliefs, then what we're doing is we're really alienating the people on the left. And you said it yourself, Brian, we need to bring in people from both sides. And right now, with the stigma that this party has as being 
a conservative leaning party being Republican light of being pot smoking Republicans of being, what was it? Uh, dope fiend, dope smoking sex fiends that, you know, that this is, that's yeah. who conservative is. If we have this stigma of being conservative attached to us, we will never attract those people on the left that again are fundamentally anti-authoritarian. These people that we're attracting right now are not anti-authoritarian. They, these are the people that, that carry the don't tread on me signs. And what they mean by that is literally don't tread on me, tread on him. Don't tread on me, tread on her. Don't tread on me, tread on the gay person. Don't tread on me, tread on the transgender. That's what they mean. And those are not the people, kind of people that we want to attract. The Libertarian Party is not freedom for me and not for thee, right? It's freedom for everybody. And if we can't shed that stigma of being adjacent to the conservative movement, we will never grow in a meaningful way. We've tried. We've done the paleo thing. We've run Republicans time and time and time again. And here we are. We had electoral success last election by running the most qualified candidates. And and I, I think we've done as best as we can at doing that. So now I think it's time that we change our strategy. And we change our strategy by not running conservative candidates. Okay. And then uh, Brian Nichols, five minutes for your closing argument. Absolutely. Well, Hody, thank you so much for, uh, for getting this all set up. Really do appreciate it. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think the, the best way to wrap up is to just continue going forward with Mr. Ellison's uh, closing statement. And it was, yes, we did have electoral success back in 2016, where we, we went from around, you know, 1% of the vote is point, 0.99% of the vote to uh, around 3.3% of the vote. So if, if, you know, if that were to continue going forward like that, we could easily be seeing ourselves in double digits in 10, 20 years. Now, is that likely? Probably not. Um, but what have we done over the past few years in electoral politics? Well, uh, let's see, you have a guy named Ron Paul who brought a lot of people to the movement. And I think it's important to acknowledge that, yes, a lot of those people did come from the right, but at the very least, them coming from the right gave us a chance to really build up and have a conversation where I think we built a party that going into 2016 was ready to have a much more, uh, shall we say, uh, prevalent uh, seat at the table. And we did. And we ended up uh, walking away with more more votes than we'd ever walked away with before. And I look at 2020 as another opportunity um, where we now have a, a sitting U.S. president in Donald Trump um, versus uh, and obviously, you know, being a GOP, um, you know, he's a Republican. He's he's not necessarily a conservative. He's not necessarily a, um, you know, a, a limited government proponent. Um, Trump is a Republican, really. And in, 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 he really is the definition of a rhino in, in name only. Um, and if you look at somebody like Joe Biden, Joe Biden, I don't think has the um, the, the mental faculties to to be a strong candidate. Um, you know, I, and it's sad to watch how far he's declined um, in his cognitive ability over the past year, especially. Um, and I don't see him uh, being, you know, the face of the Democratic Party. It's going to be an inspiring opportunity. Um, and then that leaves really a chance to have a third uh, choice. And that third choice right now, I think um, we do have an opportunity as a Libertarian Party. And I want to preface this by saying I'm not endorsing Justin, but it, to, to the main point of the debate question, would he be a great Libertarian Party candidate? Absolutely. And I'll conclude why he would be a Libertarian Party candidate. Because, number one, Justin does have the uh, the name recognition beyond any of the other Libertarian Party candidates. And that's just a sad reality that we don't have the, the platform that um, the other two parties traditionally do. And Justin, um, you know, thankfully, was able to leverage his utilizing the GOP platform to uh to get his name out there more and have more of a, a platform for an opportunity like now um where he is seeking to be the libertarian party candidate um number two is that justin i would say if you compare justin to any other libertarian candidate 
Is he going to be 100% pure? No. And the reality is neither is any other uh, libertarian uh, candidate, except for the one party, uh, the one candidate who says they are, in which case we know they're 100% right. Um, and, and with that being said, I don't think we should be looking to have a 100% libertarian uh, party or libertarian uh, in terms of philosophy being the head of our candidate. There's a reason that we don't see the uh, you know the, the the super super conservatives running and winning the head of the Republican Party. You see the, the populists um, like Trump who are who are winning. You see somebody like a Bernie Sanders who's much more of a populist, taking uh, who who is taking the, the heart of the uh, the Democratic Party until the Democratic Party establishment put a squash to it. Um, I think we have a chance right now to reach to a lot of disaffected voters from both parties, maybe who, yes, were the Bernie bros out there, but also who were the disaffected conservatives or those who did believe in the ideas of uh, personal responsibility and individual rights. Um, you know, Look to those individuals in the right and bring them over. And don't look at them as cancer. Look at them as, as an opportunity to, to teach, to educate, to help them grow and foster their education in the liberty movement. Build, build allies with people outside of our movement and bring them over to our movement when they're ready. And I think, you know, if we're going to run somebody who actually is, uh, has the ability to, to make that argument convincingly, someone like Justin Amash would be um, not only a credible opportunity, a, a credible voice to do that, um, but also has the libertarian bona fides to, uh, to back it up. So uh, with that, Brian Allison, thank you so much for, for, joining the the we are libertarians network to uh, to have this debate um and hody thank you so much for uh, setting it up and with that i yield my time thanks you bet guys thank you so much again that's brian ellison candidate uh for the libertarian party presidential nomination and of course we got brian nichols of the brian nichols show i'm hody johnson your host here on the uh, we're libertarians network thanks for tuning into this debate again treat everybody respectfully i'm sure this conversation is going to continue a lot but please be nice to everybody uh, always just, just be respectful about it guys i really do appreciate you both coming on being respectful to each other and very respectful of your time might i add as far as debaters go you guys did a good job i tried well, i went over like five seconds at the beginning i think i i, I apologize yeah you did I, I noticed that too and i wrote <laughs> that right down never again this moderator is very biased <laughs> i just let it go i wasn't even gonna this might be the the happiest end of a debate I've ever seen in my life. God oh, bless. Oh, yeah. no. I, I'm just glad you guys ended up debating. My last two debaters ended up agreeing with each other. It was terrible. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, we definitely don't agree. I mean, yeah, yeah, a, there we go. Nothing yeah. else. We're there. <laughs> right. That's okay. Cool. At least it was a debate, guys. At least I gave you a debate. I promised the debate and I delivered. Anyhow, thank you guys so much. Again, I know you're both very busy, but you were both very credible people to uh, to talk about this. I can, I, we can at least both agree that you're both qualified to debate. So that was great. Thanks, Again, Bobby. guys. Thank you so much. You all have a safe drive home. We are Libertarians Patreons. Guys, if you haven't signed up, please do. If you're going to sign up, please do. For those of you who have already signed up, you're the reason stuff like this can happen and we can bring all kinds of voices and perspectives that we have. So again, guys, thank you so much. Thank you, listeners. And uh, God bless you all. Have a good night. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Network. And you can find more great shows like this at wearelibertarians.com. Shows like We Are Libertarians with Chris Spangle, The Brian Nichols Show, The Boss Hog of Liberty, Now Hear This with Chris Spangle, Gingerarchy with Trisha Stewart Mann, and our training podcast, Upward, Libertarian Activism. All of these shows are supported by our patrons. If you'd like to become a Patreon member, visit wearelibertarians.com. Thank you so much for listening to this show.